to another episode of the Headed Home Podcast. What's up? We're your host, Jen and Andrew, and we have one of the most special interviews that we've ever done um, on this podcast. We interviewed Leslie Hazan, and we we kind of strayed away from uh, real estate and talked more about life. And I think one of the things that we felt really connected to Leslie on is um, some of the some of the incredible trials that she's gone through and some of the invaluable experiences um, that she's and lessons that she's gotten from that. And I learned so much. I feel incredibly grateful to know her as a human being. And I'm really excited to share share this with you today. Absolutely. It was a great conversation. We hope that you get a lot out of it. We sure did. I'll give you a quick intro on Leslie here. So uh, Leslie Hazan is who we interviewed. She is with Compass Real Estate and she purchased and renovated her first home in 1996. Um, when she did that, she knew that real estate was her calling. Uh, she became hooked on all facets of the residential real estate industry, including design and building, investing and developing, buying and selling and relocation and lifestyle. Over the years, she cultivated her passion and her expertise for architectural, architecturally, aesthetically, and environmentally unique properties, as well as distinctive niche markets such as luxury homes, foothills properties, land listings, and equestrian residences. Leslie delivers an exceptional real estate experience across a diverse client base because she has spent nearly three decades honing her knowledge, skills, and approach. As a lifelong Coloradan whoop, whoop. and I'm adventure sorry. seeker, Leslie brings her tenacity and aptitude for preparedness to every transaction. She goes the extra mile to a faster, a more genuine, a personal connection with her clients and uses her deep knowledge and expertise to identify and anticipate their unique needs and help them navigate the complexities of each individual real estate journey. Uh, Leslie uses her experienced analytical side to educate clients on the market and valuable opportunities and her personable, creative and artistic side to create an empowering dynamic that ensures that clients achieve their goals. Leslie's unparalleled professionalism and belief that every person, every property, and every transaction are unique and informs every aspect of her highly personalized approach. Her communication style is straightforward, trans transparent, and highly responsive, granting her clients a competitive edge every step of the way. We hope you love this episode. And she's really just a great human. Enjoy. Welcome to the Headed Home Podcast, where we explore personal growth, life strategies, and interview remarkable people from real estate and mortgage professionals to small business owners. Join us, your hosts, Andrew and Jen Gallegos, as we uncover the secrets behind how top achievers smash their goals and tackle challenges in today's dynamic world. Get ready for a funny, inspiring, and enlightening experience with captivating stories and invaluable lessons learned. All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Headed Home Podcast. We're your hosts, Andrew and Jen Gallegos. We're hanging out here with Leslie Hazan. Thanks for joining us today, Leslie. Of course. Looking forward to a good episode today. I'm really excited. It's, it's nice outside. Mm -hmm. yep. It's a Monday. Yeah. Yep. A little case of the Mondays going on. You do? Well, I, I did put my coffee in the microwave for a minute instead of 30 seconds this morning. And I've been scorched all morning. That's why. And I don't, 
Leslie, do you drink coffee? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So our she drinks it like she drinks hot coffee cold. No, but our argument is I'm just imp- like, I just don't care. Like as long as it's coffee, I'll drink it. So if it's cold or if it's been sitting there for three hours, I'll just drink it. And he absolutely will not. So are you a hot? Okay. I'm a, I'm a one extreme or the other. It needs to either be hot or cold. Yes. Okay. It's so either yeah. smoking hot or like ice in it, ice cold. Yes. You guys are on the same team. I'm, I have a very specific setup the way I make my coffee. I'll put it, I, I brew it early. And then when I, I blend it with a cup, what MCT oil and you do that. Yeah, collagen. you have a whole thing. I've got a whole thing. But then I, I always put 30 seconds on the microwave, right? So then it's warm enough for me to kind of handle it throughout the morning. But then today, for some reason, I did a whole minute. So I've been, hearing, I've been hearing about this problem for the last hour of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've got hot coffee and hot tea going right now. But no, I, yes. Other than that, excited to be doing another episode with Leslie here. Leslie, I know you are a very successful real estate agent. And one of the questions that I always like to ask our guests, just because getting into real estate and lending, it's not the traditional path where you go to school and you go to college and you graduate and you get into the real estate business. So what was your entry into the business? What was your path? Oh, gosh. Well, when I was 25, I bought my first house and renovated it. Folded a couple of years later, and then I was kind of rich from there. So that was how I started. From there, I bought, renovated several homes along the way. I got into doing real estate development projects for myself and some investment properties, things like that. And then a few years down the road, got my license and uh, started doing you know, retail transactions as well as the projects that I was doing also held my general contractor's license for many years. And so I just, in general, always had a love for the whole process of buying, selling, renovating, building, all of those different aspects of real estate. Sounds like you got in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, not just like starting to do like the residential transactions, but actually getting in there, doing renovations, like seeing uh, almost like the equity building aspect of it too. Absolutely. Cool. And uh-huh. I think it's one of the things my clients really appreciate is that yeah. they have that background because it helps them maybe see things in homes that they can't see themselves. It helps them understand, hey, if I'm buying something that might need some renovations, what is that going to look like for me? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that experience helps me bring a lot to the table from it's doing my homes. Yeah. What market are you? I mean, I know you're in the metro area, but what markets do you specifically work in? And maybe tell us about how much production or how many families that you help um, each year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my past clients and work is kind of spread out all over metro. I tend to focus primarily along I-25 corridor and west up into the foothills. Some of the niches... West is best. Okay. <laughs> um, some of the niches are things that I gravitate towards tend to be the luxury properties and your neighborhoods, Porsche properties, uh, as well as land, one experience with being sounds, things like that as well. I think... Consistently, um, I've been producing between 10 and 15 million in sales a year the last few years. And that translates to about 15 families during the year on average. Yeah, that's great. I know that, I mean, to work at the level that you're working at, 
takes a lot of, you know, a lot of personal development skills and things to be really good at your job. What sort of qualities do you feel like make you great? Oh, <laughs> let's see. I, I would say a lot of the feedback that I get from my clients, the things that they really like about working with me is that I communicate at a really high level with everybody. I take a lot of time to get to know my clients. Um, you know, I always approach it as it's an honor for me to work with people and help them with what is inevitably a huge transaction and often accompanied by huge changes in their lives, right? Things that drive people to want to buy and sell homes are usually big changes in their personal life as well. And so I take the time and I'm very patient with getting to know my clients, what they want, what they like, they need and why. And we, we spend time really getting to know them, getting to know properties. And I think that combined with the knowledge that I just bring in general about the real estate industry. Personally, I'm very passionate about these studying and being on top of what's happening in the market, emerging technologies, all kinds of things kind of on the back end that just help me and know, uh, tune into my clients and really understand what they want to need and help facilitate them through the transaction. I also build relationships with my clients that last well beyond, you know, the initial transaction that we do together. We stay in contact. Many of my clients become really good friends over time. And then I really have a bunch of helping them again and again as they go through and changes and have it means. That's awesome. It, it's funny. You can get coaching or take classes or watch videos on how to be successful in business. But I feel like there's just this fundamental trait of successful people in business. And it's, it's like listening, you know, like sitting down with the person that you're trying to help and understanding exactly what their goals are. And then you can kind of put yourself in the position to help them achieve those or find out what their problems are and put yourself in a position to be the solution maker. So I think that's awesome. It's a really just basic piece of advice too, for our listeners, you know, just listen to the people, listen to your clients. What do they need? You know, especially if it's a big, purchase like real estate where it's a few hundred thousand dollars or more, you know, make sure that you're taking the time to understand and, and listen to exactly where they're coming from so that you can be that that solution maker for them. I love that. So we got to, I would say, experience a really cool thing with you. And I kept talking to Andrew after we met because I feel like there's people that you meet in your life that you just feel like really connected with. And you are one of those people for me. And I think one of the things that you were just talking about was like understanding human connection and understanding that like people experience life outside of a real estate transaction. And I think that you like very deeply understand that there's like a whole life outside of work. And we were able to meet and kind of talk about some things that you have experienced in your life over the last few years. And one of the most important things that I think we can do in life is learn from people's experiences and listen and take lessons from the things that people have learned from what they've gone through. And I certainly did that with you. And I would love for you to share some of your experiences or things that you have experienced over the last few years, if you're, if you're up for it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm happy to share. So I guess I'll just quickly give you the 
the backstory. Yeah. So I'm a, currently a single mom with three teenagers. And we're going to go back in time a little bit and tell you, give me the backstory on how that happened. Yeah. Um, so um, about eight years ago, I met the man of my dreams. We got married. This was second marriage for both of us. I had a daughter and son, and he had a daughter, so we blended with our families. And then we got married in 2014, and he was a home builder in Rising Real Estate, only general contractor. So we built a business together, built our own dream home up on Lookout Mountain. It was fantastic in the process, and I threw all of that together. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so it was... Uh, let's see, stage 2B breast cancer. I had to have oral mastectomy, reconstructive surgery, and so it was quite a challenge for our family. We had three young, young kids at that time, and they were there and saw us go through all of it. And there was a lot that I learned going through that process. And then in 2019, at the end of 2019, I had my final reconstructive surgery. We kind of had the worst of everything behind us. And we were driving home from my surgery on the left side of my husband's body went down. And we got loaded into an ambulance, taken to the hospital. And 24 hours later, we found out he had a mass on his brain. And... From there, more doctors involved, we found out that the mass started changing really rapidly and his sleeping started changing really rapidly. And we had to go through the process of getting him down to MD Anderson in Houston because it was clear that he needed surgery or whatever was going on in his brain to find out more about what it was because we don't tell so much from the aging. And he, in May of 2020, we were down in Houston, he had surgery, and we found out that he had brain or glioblastoma, which is a primary brain tumor, brain cancer, and it's terminal. Your average lifespan with this diagnosis is about 14 months. And so we had to really reevaluate everything at that point and make some big changes, which we did. And we were lucky enough to have him with us for three and a half years. It's not an easy three and a half years, but uh, he passed about a year ago now. And so we as a family have gone through a lot of changes, a lot of transitions. In addition to all of this, we had pandemic and teenagers and everything else. And so Trim quite a ride last few years. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that with us and our listeners. And I, you know, I've thought a lot since we met about your story. And I think like every layer that you've talked about is like a whole book of lessons in general of, of that could completely change or transform who you are as a human. And I think the fact that you kind of went through these things like, Oh, like I had, you know, I had this diagnosis and then by the way, my husband has this diagnosis and by the way, he is 
going to die. And by the way, like we have three children going through a pandemic. I mean, that's all of those things have been impactful on their own for you, I'm sure. Absolutely. And I think on many levels has probably caused you to reevaluate many things in your life and, and what you value. And I know one of the things that we talked about when we met was around like your dream home that you had created with your husband. And I would love to know just, you know, your thought process around, you were living in this great house and, and you'd always wanted to, to build it. And then all of these things happened for you. What, what changed? Well, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, we, we felt like, oh, we're living the dream. We had gotten through my cancer treatment at the time when we finished the house and moved in. And so we thought, oh, great. That's behind us. Now we can move forward. And when he got his diagnosis, we started really looking at life in general. And we had to make some really hard choices because we knew really quickly that I was going to be taking care of him and our kids and my home and my businesses and everything else. And we chose to keep on the plate that it was really going to fall on me. Yeah. And so we did some really hard evaluation and choices. Um, we sold the dream house. It was a, in the foothills and mountains. It was beautiful. And a lot of neat things. We just yeah. made so many of the winter. There's a lot of things that go along with mean home in the foothills. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you're doing that by yourself, along with everything else, adds a lot of complexity. I mean, it added you know, drive time to everything that we did. And we were now down to one driver because he couldn't drive. So with medical appointments and schools and things like that, we just, that was one of the first choices that we made. And it was at the end of the day, an easy choice. I mean, I was really clear once you sat down and thought about it, it's like, it's, it's just the house. Yeah. And I mean, really your home and where your heart is, is with the people in the house, not house and so we sold the house and we bought a different house we also were able fortunately to you know buy a new house for cash so that i didn't have the pressure of a mortgage payment every month that i had to meet so we started making changes like that and decisions like that to simplify our life and to prioritize what was important which was our family time and our time with him and we shut down one of the businesses and we shut down his home building business. So we went from having two successful businesses with two incomes to only my income. And at that point, I also went, that's when I went actually for the first time, full time into real estate and real estate sales only. Because I mean, one of the great things about real estate is the flexibility that it offers to work around life and things that are going on. And so again, it just, it made a lot of sense to make those changes. And so that's what we did. We just, we did what we needed to do. I, I remember like, obviously a very different circumstance that, that we went through, but I remember when I was really sick, we, we left our a house that we had built. And the thing that I remember so clearly about the experience that we had, which sounds like what you had was like your values are so clear in those moments where it's like, this matters absolutely zero to me. Like my health matters, my family matters. 
and anything. I also don't think that people necessarily understand and thankfully, right? Like I'm so grateful most people don't understand this, but the amount of time being sick takes (laughs) away from like just everyday things, right? And you know, so when you're making those decisions, you have to be really thoughtful and intentional about how how can I get time back? Because you you all of a sudden like don't have any time. Yeah. You, you, you kind of have to become a well-oiled machine and yeah. also at the same time very able to adapt on why mm-hmm. because one of my favorite mottos of the last few years became we make plans and the universe laughs <laughs> because you know we try to do our best to you know know how are how are we going to fit all of this in the doctor's appointments the school the work yes. you know all of these things that we have to keep going and inevitably something comes up you get a sick kid you my husband required twenty four seven care I couldn't leave them alone. And so if I didn't have coverage or if the person who was supposed to be providing coverage called in sick that day, you're, you're constantly pivoting and yeah. adapting and reprioritizing. And um, just learn that, you know, you can't be too set in what your plan was for the day. There's, you know, you can prioritize things and you will get them done, but sometimes you have to kick the can down the road or sometimes you have to drop your shower for the day or yeah. whatever it is yeah. that you need to do to get through the day. Yeah. yeah. I did. I mean, I think you guys in that sense had a similar experience when, I mean, I was kind of just laying in, in bed all the time, but did, I'm kind of asking you I about think like- you explained it perfectly. I think that you have a decision to make and I think I know where you're going with this, right? Like, how did you, how, how were we able to adapt and become more efficient and find more time? I think you have a decision to make. You either give up or you decide, okay, I'm going to try my best. And when you try your best and you are, are looking for those opportunities to let go what is not as important and those also those opportunities to learn, I think was really helpful for me. I think one of the things that I had to learn along the way too is how to take care of myself when I was going through all of that. So that I yeah. had what the, did you do? So that I had the strength. Yeah. So that. that I had I mean, I think I don't think anybody really knows how strong they are until they have to do something hard. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think I've talked to so many people over the years that unfortunately have had to go through hard things. But you kind of you have to always look for the, the silver lining and yeah. be grateful for the things that you do have. But, but you know, one of the things that I realized to, was like to be able to get through all of this, you know, that my self-care was extremely important. And not just physically, but even more importantly, mentally. Yeah. My mental well-being and my mental health. I had to go through lots. So when I went through cancer treatment, one of the things that happened is they, you know, I had... Uh, my ovaries removed and that sends you into menopause. So from like feeling energetic and healthy and having everything working to like instantly surgical menopause, um, it does all kinds of things with your body and your hormones and your brain. And I had severe mood disorder, depression, and after that for many months. And one of the things that I had to do was take responsibility for how it was feeling, for how it was taking care of myself, and really 
learn how to get myself up and out of that place so that I can function every day. Because it was really easy to just, you know, turn into a sobbing puddle in your closet and just want to give up. But you can't. Yeah. You can't do that. And so you learn how to care for yourself mentally. And I had along the way over the years, I mean, everything from medical intervention with uh, antidepressants for a short time until I could get into the place where I could establish a regular physical exercise routine. And once I was able to do that again, then everything, you know, that really helps with the chemicals <laughs> and the hormones and everything and keeping that peace positive. A lot of it was also therapy as well as I do a lot of reading. I'm gracious reader almost every night when I come into bed and reading something. And so over the last few years, it's been everything from like professional development books to mental health books to books on grieving because we were all going through this anticipatory grieving. I was grieving, you know, when you go through cancer treatment or any kind of medical treatment, you you grieve the loss in your own body and the changes that you've gone through. And so I just really, I really prioritized that to make sure that every day I could show up, even though the day was hard. Like I wanted to just know that it might not be pretty, <laughs> you know, but I'm here and I'm going to get through this day and I'm going to get my husband through this day and my kids through this day and my clients through this day and whatever we need to do. You mentioned, and this was like a very familiar feeling to me, but I think what's hard about being sick or what's hard about having system set up in quote unquote normal life, you know, to take care of yourself is when you're sick, you all of a sudden can't work out. Like I, my, my biggest tool was that for mental and physical health. And you all of a sudden are thrown into this world where you have to figure out how you can have some sort of positive tools in your toolbox that are very limited. That in and of itself can be incredibly difficult. Uh, because you don't have you, the things that you've always relied on are not there anymore. Um, and I remember, I mean, there's a loss with, with that, you know, where you, you can't hike, you can't maybe even walk. Like, it's just that you're like, well, what do I do now? And that can be really difficult to kind of sort through as you're not feeling well. And absolutely contributes to that. Hang on. It's just, I think when I was able to finally get to the point through my own, you know, through my own recovery, where I was able to get back to that point where I could, I mean, you just, and you just start small, right? Like yeah. I started with literally in the lock, one block. <laughs> and then the next day, in the lock, a block, and a quarter, <laughs> or whatever yes. you can do. But you just, you build that slowly because, yeah, that for me also was always one of my go-to things my whole life. I've been very active. Yeah. And when you can't do that, it really affects you in profound ways that you must figure out how to adjust. I think this was a, a topic that we were talking about. You know, our kids were young and I know, you, you know, you were probably kind of considering this too, but I know you're, you're always modeling something for your kids, right? And so one thing like we were really thoughtful about going through you know, our health experience is how, what are we, what are we setting up for our kids to see? And so what did you do or what did you think about when you were sick or when your, 
you know, helping your husband when he was sick? Like, what were the things that were really at the forefront of your mind with your kids? Yeah. I mean, early on when I got my diagnosis and knew that I was going to be going through all the treatment, you know, I, but it was very intentional in understanding that hey, this is a scenario where, a, you know, it would be really easy for me to feel sorry for myself and be a victim and be negative. And, and I'm not going to do that because one of the things that I always want my kids to understand is Life can be hard. It can throw us curveballs. It can do all of these things, but it doesn't mean that life is bad or that we have to be that we have to let it tear us down or be negative. Like how even when hard things are going on or thing, you know, I'm feeling debilitated and sick. How can we still find joy? How can we still be grateful for the things that we do have? I mean, even. At one point when I went through my first round of chemo, I went neutropenic, which is where like you use all of your white blood cells and you have zero immune system. And like my kids coming home from school with a cold, they could could kill you. Right. And so I had to quarantine like in my room with my door closed until my blood counts got back up and my immune system recovered. And so my kids couldn't come in and I couldn't hug them and I couldn't do these things. And so what are we going to do with that? Well, so we started, I'm like, hey, we're going to pass notes under the door. So my kids and I had this whole like prolific round of like notes and like, you know, pictures and all kinds of stuff going under the door. And we, so we tried to make it on. And we tried yeah. to keep that connection, even though the way that we were able to connect changed, yeah. you know, but how do you, I tell my kids this all the time, we can't control what happens to us yeah. in life a lot of times, but we can control our own, how we respond to it and yeah. what we do with it. And so that's been huge. I feel like that's such an important <laughs> mindset to have. And it's like resilient and optimistic and obviously helps you through this whole, these past few years that you just went through. Have you always had that? Like, where did that, where did that come from? You know, I think that to some extent it was there. Yeah. I was really competitive when I was younger. So I think I always had something in me that was like, I'm not going to give up. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the kind of the more like, I think the, the nuance, the more positive, like always looking, like learning to come from a place of gratitude and really yeah. understanding that even when things are really hard, we have so much that we can look to, to be thankful for. And, you know, I think that is something that really kind of came more along with the later years of life yeah. and everything that we've been through the last few years has really made that sink in how important that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately just, you know, because just fighting and just being strong and that's, that wasn't enough the last few years. Yeah. It wasn't. So I had to have more. I had to understand like on this day when it's really hard, what can I turn to to help me get to help me, you know, you wait for an extra hour so I can get a read about or whatever I needed to yeah. do. Like, what was what was it that would help me dig deep yeah. and you know find strength when I just felt completely spent? And it always came back to that. It always came back to wait a minute. Let's 
take a step back and understand like what are the blessings right now right here today like and is and is that did you have like a gratitude practice that you would do yeah. throughout that and was it like a part of your routine yeah so one yeah. of the things that i really developed as i was going through all of this is i have a morning routine that yeah. i do i get up usually at five it's, I mean, my, my rule of thumb is I need to be up at least an hour before <laughs> anyone. Okay. Yes. So it, it, if you don't have the hour, yes. yes. That so, hour. Yeah. So I get up at that hour <laughs> before and I have my morning routine, which is first thing I do is I kind of, I get on my elliptical or I do something to just like the heart rate up, get me going for the day and then that's take off the night. I roll from that into a little yoga routine that I do just for some stretching and relaxation and waking up. And then from that, I transition into a short meditation. And then I finish with, um, I actually journal and write out gratitude and affirmation for the okay. day. So it's, you know, it's a combination of physically and mentally getting myself ready for the day, taking care of myself first putting on the oxygen mask before you know everybody else's and that routine has served me really well the last years if, if, you, if you miss too. that yeah if you miss that routine do you notice uh, absolutely. what kind of impact yeah, yeah absolutely i notice yeah i just like if i miss the routine my whole day just is kind of off, off right? kilter a little bit you know i i just feel like okay tomorrow get back to that (laughs) you know so i mean again life happens right and sometimes you miss the day and so i figure if i get it most days and every once in a while it's not happening you know in general i've got my baseline a lot of times what i'll do if i miss the morning i tend to not miss the whole thing like sometimes i have to shorten it or whatever but i try to at least get the pieces in so that the habit is still there, even if the, the time that I like to spend on it isn't. Yeah. And then like worst case scenario, if it just doesn't get done in the morning, I still try to get pieces of it done throughout the day. Right. And like if that smart. happens, I usually do it in reverse. And usually what I look for first is the time to do the gratitudes and the affirmation and then meditation, you know, and then an exercise if I can get that in or whatever. Yeah, I love that you've got it in the routine, so it's systemized. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I feel like that saved us is, like yeah. so many times. Well, and, and you're you- better about that, like getting in it. If I miss the the my routine, I have such a hard time going back and even doing. I'll put you know, it in. One or you do it, yeah. Um, I need to get think, better. At yeah, that. but it is. <laughs> I mean, for me, it just defines my whole day, and I think. And I would say our morning routines kind of started around the time that we got sick. Like we were yeah. very methodical about those. But I, I think the thing that I feel that is so important about a morning routine is it gives me a sense of power and control over my day. Because when you have experienced a lot of things in your day that you have no power over, like I know the first hour, hour and a half of my day is like I can control that. Right. And so if my whole day goes to shit, which sometimes it does, right? Like you have those things that you can really like anchor to. And that has been really, you know, just really valuable for me. Yeah. I kind of feel like when I finish it in the morning, I often feel like, okay, 
bring it on day yeah. I'm ready. Like, yeah. Bring it on, what, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that today's going to bring, I'm ready now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like a reset too. Yeah. You know, I feel like it, it kind of cleanses you from yesterday too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, I think, and there was one, I started doing this this year, but I can't remember who it was one podcast that I was listening to, but before you get out of bed saying thank you, like five mm-hmm. times, like that has been really helpful. Cause you know, sometimes you'll wake up and we wake up really early. You're just like, Oh God, like, I don't want to get up. I never want to get up. Right. But just like saying, thank you. Puts you the in footsteps. A, oh yeah. That, where you walk, yeah, but I don't do the footsteps. Yeah. But when you, but just saying thank you in yeah. the morning, like it's so different to reframe your day and being like, man, I have to do all this stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think too, one of the things that you learn when you're seeing somebody get through a terminal illness means that my husband fought for every day that he could be alive. Right. And I think if all of us could just understand how important that is to be grateful for every day that we're alive, that we get to wake up, because we don't know, like none of us knows, right? Mm-hmm. What's our time here, right? We can't change what's behind us. We have no idea what's coming. And so we need to be grateful for today, every day. And I mean, it's my mission every day. And I ask my kids every day when I drop them off for school and we're in the car and the way to school, I'm like, what are you guys going to do today to live your best life today? Right? Because that's what we have to do. Would you say that that has been the biggest lesson that you have taken away? I know there's so many. Oh, gosh. There's so many. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that's a huge one. I think the other thing for me personally that I've learned over the last few years is, you know, how important it is to come together and, you know, be able to, like, I didn't hide any, you know, we didn't hide anything from our kids. We always looking for that opportunity to learn, to grow, to, hey, if this isn't working out the way that I want it to, maybe it's not supposed to, like, mm-hmm. you know? And so, gosh, there's so many <laughs> lessons, but... <laughs> But yeah, I think that's that's my biggest takeaway. And I think a big part of that is, you know, that's like my husband, that's how he always lived this life. You know, he's at the end, he's like, I don't have any regrets for myself for I lived in an amazing life, lived every day. He said, you know, my only regret is that I'm not gonna be with you and the kids. That's hard. But yeah, he's that was his wish for all of us. It's like, you know, life is messy and it's crazy and it's full of beautiful things and amazing things and it's full of hard things and you know go out there and live it to the best of your ability every day yeah and i think if again do that what an amazing world would be like if we were all out there every day trying to live our best life and look people up and look for the things that we're great for I mean, I think that it's so interesting because when you are in a place where you understand that life isn't guaranteed, you do look at life very differently. And I, you know, I'll catch myself sometimes, you know, like 
yeah, I forget that like I there were things that I couldn't do that I would have given my anything to be able to do again, you know, like drive my daughter to dance or so when I find myself like complaining about that in my head, I'm like, mm, Jen, like remember this is something that like you would have given anything to do. And I think that when you have a very clear understanding that like you have one life, like that, that's it. Like you have one. What, who said that there's no dress rehearsal like yeah. you have one and so you you gotta live it and and be really thoughtful about how you want to that can really change how you look at things absolutely and i think it's i feel like i'm a lot more intentional in the last year yeah because you know i have i i, I do look at things differently now you know, I have an opportunity yeah. every day yeah. to make choices and be intentional in how I'm going to my life, how I'm going to have my kids, how I'm going to interact with my clients, what am I going to do with my business, what am I, you know, and, and I think it's it's really empowering and it's really a gift to have that perspective and be able to say, hey, I'm really, really intentional about how I spend my time today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think it really does change the way that you think about, think about your time. I mean, big and small things. And, you know, for me, I feel like provides a compass of like what, what sort of activities or even people, you know, like right. there's, you just have this understanding that like you have a limited amount of time. Um, and so I think sometimes, and I can remember, you know, when I was younger, like I didn't get that. And I do have a sense of gratitude for that understanding of saying, like, I understand that this is what I have and I'm going to do the very best that I have with what I've got. I think perspective is, is key there, you know, and I think like you said, it changes the way that you interact with the world. And the gratitude part too, I love that you said that, that it, it does kind of take you out of that victim mentality that any of us can fall into for a variety of different reasons. But you had so many excuses to fall into that and you didn't, I think is just a, a testament to that, that character that you had, you know, and that you had built over time, you know, in those practices too. And sometimes it had to be a conscious thought every day, right? Yeah. I mean, I think more often. Days than, you, yeah. And you're, I mean, most days it is. Right. It's easy to, you know, I mean, yeah, could it be easier to maybe fall into like feeling sorry for myself and not want to get out of bed and fear yeah. and lack and like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? You know, yeah. and, and to take a step back and be like, no, I'm not going to, that's not where I want to spend my mindset and my time. Yeah. Like I want to be, I look around me. I, mean, I have so much to be grateful for. I have, I'm, a, I'm definitely a, an abundance mindset kind of person. And how do we stay in that space? Yeah. Um, but it gets tested. Yeah, me. for sure. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, sometimes they, they say that about marriage too. Like some days you, it's a choice, right? <laughs> you have to make that choice every day, yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And it's the same with your mindset. It's the same with you. You make that choice every time, every day, multiple times a day, you know? And I mean, and that's really, I mean, that's what we have in life is that choice that we have to choose. Oh, where am I going to 
what kind of space am I going to create for myself today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Did you ever read that? Oh, um, it's it's when he's in, in the, the concentration, concentration camp. camp. Yeah. And he talks, I read it before one of my surgeries, but he talks a lot about how there's all of these awful things he's experiencing. And the only thing that he can control is like his mindset and how he's responding to them. And then that, when you figure that out, it can be incredibly powerful and how it changes your world because there's just, you know, so many things that you just don't have control over. But that is the one thing that no one can take away from you. And when you recognize that, that provides a level of control and power over whatever you're experiencing. But recognizing that can be tough. And I think that's where that morning routine, I mean, we talk about it probably on every podcast that we've done, but like, it is just so important because you do forget. And even if you get shown that perspective, you forget it, you know, because you do start, you know, you start to feel better and then you just, you know, we start to take things for granted again. And just having that I think all the time I'll be like, oh, I'm good on gratitude. I don't need to do it for a while. And then you start to realize like, why am I, why am I in such a bad mood right now? And it's like, because I'm forgetting. Yeah. Well, I think last week I came home, I was like in a tear. I don't know what happened. It was probably like week 30 of a child sickness and, you know, throwing a wrench in our week. But I remember you were making dinner and you're like, what are you grateful for? Like, it was like, and I was like, oh my God, like I had spent the entire day thinking about all of these things that were not great, you know? Right. And you're hyper aware of it. Totally. And it's Mm -hmm. just, I think we all have to just make sure that we have some sort of time set aside, some sort of practice in place. And just a piece of something re- reminding you to be grateful because if not, your life's just not going to be as good. And I, I love my, my kids have been learning this lesson too because some days when I come home at the end of the day and I'm like a little <laughs> on edge maybe or whatever. Spicy. They'll ask me, they'll be like, mom, how was your day? What's <laughs> going on? What are you grateful for? They're, they'll ask me. Right. <laughs> like, Yes, yes, that's it. There you go. <laughs> that's what I'm grateful for right there. Right. At the end of the day. Isn't it just like make you, because uh, I, we do that's that huge. with our kids. Like we talk about gratitude at the end of the day with them. Or like, what are things that went well? Or like, what what did we mess up on? And what did we learn? And it's when you hear them do it on their own, you're just like, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you see them do like a habit that uh-huh. you've been trying to build on them. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just the, be- it's the best. It's the best thing moment. What I'm interested in, you you read a lot, so I'm interested in what are what are a few books that have really, from like a personal development standpoint, or your grieving process. What have? Yeah. So there's a few. I actually did. Um, but. I actually did a grieving program, which was six weeks, and it was a book that he read, and it it was a really transformative kind of grief program. And I can't in the name it, but we'll put it in the yeah, in the details can, of the podcast. We'll get it. it. Yeah, but that was a big one because it steps you through your relationship with the person or thing that you're grieving, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a really interesting process. It's not. And all associated with what a lot of people think is definition of grieving. But that was a really great process because it essentially, I did it with my husband and anticipatory grieving, right? Yeah. And I, 
in some ways, that's a huge gift, right? To be able to go through this process while they're still alive versus many some weeks come in and we're expected. It's putting a lot of things and you go through their heart, right? But it, you know, it basically stepped you through the process of evaluating your relationship with, in this case, the person and taking an inventory of kind of your relationship and the good things about it and the bad things about it because nothing's perfect, right? And what do you want to say to that? And then you write a letter to the person. And as he was alive, I got to actually sit down and read it to him. And like it helped you, it helped you with closure, basically, the whole thing. Um, you know, how do you have a really nice feeling and closure about that relationship? I did it after that with myself, like the grieving of the loss of the things physically in my body from going through cancer treatment. And it was just, I mean, it was, so it was a principle that applied to a lot of things. And so that has helped a lot. As far as like some of my business things, Atomic Habits was a big one that I read yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. That was yeah. really big, you know? And so that really helped cement for me, like how important that morning routine is. And yeah. how do I hack my life a little bit to make sure that I'm getting those things done that are important yeah. and just... You know, some of their tricks for like piggybacking something yeah. that you want to add onto yeah. something you're already doing. Yeah, the habit Those stacks. are invaluable, yeah. you know. So that one we had really stuck with me. By the way, I get like, I feel like you'll totally understand this. I get like a, this probably makes me a complete jerk. Yeah. <laughs> when I like find a way to like stack my habits, like for example, if I'm like driving or like learning, you know, learning something new or when I like can stack a few together and like at the same time and get them all done it like it gives me a level of joy that i think it's like (laughs) it's embarrassing for sure but it's like when you start thinking that way you really try to find ways to like chunk them you know or get them done in a succinct fashion so you can really see yeah and anyways, I just feel like you would understand. And you know, the Jensen Cero series, like the Badass series, mm-hmm. those, I read those probably yeah. at a really good time that just like kind of supported his, when you're going through all this, you're kind of like, oh gosh, okay. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get to this? Well, I'm going to have to figure out how to do Badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, so and that, you that series definitely helped, you know, the personal side help with some of those kind of fear issues around lack and am I going to be able to make enough money to support my family and do all those things, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So that was another kind of timely one professionally, the ninja program just kind of, again, mm-hmm. brought in to, because I already was a very much a relationship based broker just person in life in general in that whole program just kind of reinforced just personally and professionally because they also start off, you know, when you do their initial installation, the first two days are really around you and your mindset and how do you show up and how do you show up with the right attitude and how do you show up with gratitude and all of those things that are super important. And then the second part of it is how do you nurture your relationships and really that, and that's kind of how I always was. So really it kind of just reinforced, you know, like in sports, how you always go back to your fundamentals. And, you know, there's a lot of that in there. Awesome. I mean, work seems like I want to ask you a couple of business questions, sure. but yeah. So it seems obviously not as important as everything else that we're talking about. But from a business standpoint, I mean, you also had a really good year last year in, in terms of production. 
Yeah, it's um, been pretty consistent yeah. as I've gone through all of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, my production didn't fall off. It kind of stayed, which is crazy. I think that I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, which, that's like we could talk about just that for an entire yeah. hour, I feel like. <laughs> but I mean, well, and I just think, I mean, I really think that the mindset piece, the taking care of myself piece, just, I mean, that ability that's carried me through personally and professionally through the last few years. And, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned is what an amazing kind of village community I have around me, family, friends, my neighborhood and people who live there that set up a meal train for us and my client base. And again, as I mentioned at the beginning, a lot of my clients become friends. And so they all, I mean, I didn't, everybody knew what was going on in my life. I'm an open book, you know, and so, during those years, there were some, you know, clients who didn't want to work with me because of what I was going through. Like, it's really hard to be a listing when you're completely bald and, you know, but, you know, I still went on the appointments. I still showed up. I still did what I needed to do. And I found that just the, the support that I've had over the last few years across the board has been amazing. And I think there is, it, it's important to like point out, I feel like to people, when you are going through something like you went through, the importance of community and like helping, getting help from people is really, really important. It is. And it was hard for me at first to ask for help because Mm -hmm. I wasn't. Because you're high functioning. Yeah. Well, I've been super competitive and super independent. And and so it was hard at first to lean into that and and accept help and support. But then once you learn how to do that, you realize that's not weakness. That's actually strength. Yeah. Being able to be vulnerable and being able to ask for help. And people are so willing to yeah. help lift you up and help support you. And at the end of the day, that was also a really big piece of what helped me get through the last few years, you know, personally and professionally. And come out the other side in a place of strength, in a place of confidence, in a place of that was, you know, I think like love has been a huge part of all of this too. You know, my love for my family and I mean, I guess myself, it starts with your love for yourself, right? And your love for your family and your community and it grows. And so that's, you know, that's been a huge part of what's carried all of us too. Well, I just want to say to you that I, I feel like I could just ask you 8 million questions yeah. for the rest of my life, but I, I just want you to know that you are an amazing human being and I feel like I have a lot to learn from you still, but I have learned a lot and I just am so appreciative that you have shared what you've and able to share with us. Yeah. I'm so glad that you came into my life as well. Yeah. And it's mutual, right? I, I, I'm going yeah. you guys as well. And yeah, we have strange parallels, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely, I think given us just a lot of gifts. And so I, as I know, as difficult it, as it is for you to talk about or to have just obviously gone through, I just, I want you to know that uh, there's, positive pieces that I'm sure as you share your story that people will be able to take from that. And um, I just want to thank you for the pieces that you've given me. So thank um, you. Yeah. Where can people find you? LeslieHazan.com. 
my website. It's probably the easiest and straightforward. And then everything else is on there, my <laughs> social media accounts. Right. Awesome. Well, thank everyone so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on the Head at Home podcast. Thanks, everyone. 